this is Renegades Roundup. Your best source for recaps, info, and discussions about the Arlington Renegades of the XFL. And now, here are your hosts, Joe and Zach. Hey, what's up, Hellraisers? We have got ourselves a loaded episode of Renegades Roundup for you tonight. I'm not going to bother with too deep of an introduction segment because there's a lot of stuff that has happened for your Arlington Renegades in the last 48 to 72 hours, depending on when you're actually getting a chance to listen to this episode. A lot of shakeup in the quarterback room, a lot of shakeup in the hunt for the playoffs, and just a lot of stuff to break down and not a whole lot of time to break it down with. But here to help me break it down, as he always is, it's my buddy Joe. Joe, I am telling you, this may be one of the biggest weeks that Arlington has faced in franchise history. With the setback against San Antonio at home, the South Division playoff hunt is now wide open, and we're going to get to it a little bit deeper in the show, but uh, the the shakeup with the quarterback position is something that could drastically alter the outcome of the remainder of the season. Yeah, I can't think of a time in Arlington's history, even as the Dallas Renegades back in 2020, where it's been a week of just craziness. And so this is, it's, it's really, it's interesting to see. And yeah, the quarterback shakeup, I mean, the quarterback is quote unquote, the, the biggest position on the team. And boy, did they shake it up? I'll tell you that. So looking forward to getting into that. Yeah, yeah. For those of you that haven't seen the news, um, don't know what rock you've been hiding under because we've been <laughs> tweeting about it. Uh, I'm sure that the XFL community's been talking about it. There's a, a very well-known name that is now going to be wearing the baby blue and red and black of the Renegades that I was not expecting to be putting on that jersey this season, and yet they are. And uh, there's somebody that uh, we have both spoken rather highly of um, on separate occasions that's no longer with the team so we're going to get into all of that in one of our later cylinders but we're going to take a look at some of the other stuff that's going on around the league first before we get into the cylinder before we get into the cylinder because you mentioned the baby blue and red when are you going to release the jerseys xfl i want a jersey to rock up here in nebraska (laughs) and i have been waiting patiently and a lot of people have been waiting patiently for whatever team they so uh root for so i just while people are all here listening are you uh, do you want the jerseys i want the jerseys zach you gonna get a jersey when they finally i was i I was gonna get a jersey of the player that's no longer on the roster oh So, I don't know, man. I don't know. But uh, that that's something that I'll examine at another point. Because I, 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 if they do custom jerseys, I could just get one with my name on it. That would be ideal. But we'll see what happens. But whenever whenever it does come out, I'm, I'm probably going to get one just to continue the support. But, man, I'm still a little shook up over the news. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But yeah, go ahead and rev up your engines, Renegades fans. It is time to dive into cylinder number one. As we mentioned, we're going to take a look at some of the other stuff that happened around the league 
and then we'll get into some of the renegade centric stuff in a in another cylinder in just a little bit here joe even though arlington lost and fell to three and three um theoretically they are not out of the division title hunt because the roughnecks fell to four and two after a very tough game on the road against dc i've got a lot of houston fans that uh, are in my news feed that talked about what a shoddy performance it was by houston on both offense and defense which to me just showcases how superior dc is in this league right now but with a four and two record if arlington can find a way to claw back with a you know revamped quarterback room and if they can find a way to pull off an upset of the uh the roughnecks at home then the playoff situation isn't as hopeless as we may think just because Houston's only a game ahead of us now, four and two versus three and three. And that's what kind of makes, I know we're going to get into what happened with the Renegades game last week. That's what kind of makes me kind of more upset about the outcome of the game because we could have tied the Roughnecks for first place in the division. Um, I don't know what's going on with Houston, honestly. Like you said, uh, their offense and defense did not look great at all. Um, but then again, D.C., I think D.C. might be the best team in the league. Oh, I'm without without question. Without without question. And so, you, you, how much of it is the Roughnecks, you know, starting to kind of fall apart maybe a little bit? Maybe losing a little bit of identity? And how much of it is D.C. just being an absolute juggernaut? So... It, it, that's left to be, you know, determined. But yeah, the fact that the Roughnecks are falling and the Renegades need to catch up to that, need to take advantage of that, I should say, um, is is pretty pretty telling. Well, I mean, even though this uh, upcoming game that we've got is out of the division, it's also about your overall record because it's only a ten week right. season. So right. at this point, every game is going to be important and honestly houston doesn't have a great lineup this week for them either they're hosting st louis and st louis is a really good team as well so if if there's a a chance at an upset quote-unquote against four and two seattle and st louis finds a way to get the win on the road then the the entire shakeup of of the south looks different by the end of week seven which is kind of what you're hoping for in a league like this you're hoping for parody you're hoping for drama and as we get into the second half of the season depending on how this week in particular plays out we could be facing some pretty uh interesting matchups going into the last few weeks of the season exactly and i like it i i do i I, it's it's nice to see every game matter compared to oh, this team's running away with the division, or these two teams are running away with the division, therefore they're going to make the playoffs. And so, you know, for the, in the case of the South, with the Roughnecks falling to 4-2, and two, and the Renegades at 3-3, three and three, and Houston coming back to, what, 2-4 and four now, right? So it, it's kind of, you know, it's leaving everything kind of up in the air. And as a football fan, I like that. San Antonio is 2-4. and four. You flip flip the numbers and flip the teams there. You said Houston. Did I? You said you said Houston at two and four. I think you meant the Brahmas. Oops. 
They look, they're all in Texas. It's confusing. Okay? Well, I mean, the the entire South Division, let's be honest, is going through the Lone Star State. Orlando is not a yes. contender anymore at this point. So it's really yep. about which two Texas teams are going to be playing for the South Division title. And depending on how things go this week, it could be any one of those three because the Brahmas have almost a like a very winnable game on the road at Vegas. So yes. if if they take care of business and you know St. Louis finds a way to win and and we defend the home turf, like the the entire shakeup, the entire lineup for of the South Division is going to be in question. Exactly, and and you know the Roughnecks did possibly get some help they signed a former nfl wide receiver yep i was i was about to go and uh segue into that i'm glad you did it for me he played two seasons with the la chargers organization played in uh 10 games in the 2022 season player by the name of michael bandy he's uh 190 so he's kind of a wiry receiver uh probably more destined for the slot position but yep. the interesting thing is austin james was his offensive coordinator in the spring league back in 2021. So he already knows the system. He knows what kind of play Houston likes to do. He's going to gel pretty quickly and probably end up making an impact for them at the skill position. So I'm curious to see what uh, what he ends up contributing. And it, I remember hearing Bandy's name on NFL broadcasts this past year. So they're getting a good player, that's for sure. And... You know, the the one thing that I will always bring up is I'm surprised that there isn't more offensive linemen in this league, like getting picked yep. up and stuff. It seems to always be wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. It's like the O-lines need help too, you know, and I know a lot of teams are struggling with depth. So, yep. uh, but, but, but the Roughnecks, yeah, signing a uh, talented receiver in Bandy uh, definitely adds a uh, an element to their offense that is going to make them uh, – more of a contender. Well, well, we'll see just what kind of contribution he's able to make. A couple of other interesting additions that are worth mentioning. Uh, Seattle just added a linebacker with some NFL experience in the form of Tyrell Adams. Don't know how immediately he's going to be seeing playing time, but he played for the Raiders, the Texans, the Niners, and then uh, Jacksonville back in 2021. So he's got a lot of NFL experience. Um, even started 12 games with Houston in 2020. So um, some some defensive depth added for Seattle there, and then some defensive depth actually added for the Renegades. You know, ever since Hawkins went down, we've been trying to piecemeal the secondary together. And Javaris Davis, recently released by Orlando, has now been signed by the Renegades per XFL analyst. So mm-hmm. uh, there's there's definitely a lot of signings and a lot of uh, trades even that are happening right now. And we'll get to the really important trade in cylinder number three, but uh, with Bandy Adams and Davis, which of these guys do you feel like is going to make the biggest impact soonest for their team, Joe? I'm going to have to say uh, Tyrell Adams, Um, you know, Seattle needed some linebacker help and they, went out and they got it. They got a former NFL linebacker. And, you know, Adams, when he was in the league, you know, not, you know, of course, not the dominant, you know, player that, you know, others are, but a serviceable linebacker. And I think he'll thrive in the XFL because of what he brings to the table in physicality and uh, play. 
yeah, we'll we'll see just what kind of contributions he makes in the games to come. But it's interesting the types of signings that are happening coming down the stretch. Um, some of these guys could be needed come playoff time. Some of them may just be signing to get a couple of weeks worth of reps before the season ends. So we'll see how all of that plays out. But that's, Cam Newton. <coughs> Cam uh, Newton. Hey, Marquette <laughs> King tweeted at him, but nothing came of it. Um, I know. <laughs> but can, all things considered, uh, the guy that we got is is uh, pretty pretty okay in my books. Even if we didn't get right. Newton, this is a this is a very nice uh, alternate solution for the Renegades. So we really we really keep teasing Cylinder Three. Don't yeah, we? I know. Let's 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 just kind of breeze through Cylinder Two so that we can get to the third one. That's where all the drama is going to happen. Rev them up again, Renegades fans. We're done looking around the league. It's time to look back at last week's game in cylinder number two. Joe, obviously a 15-9 setback at home. Uh, our first home loss, going to 3-3 three and three on the year. Um, it's, it's definitely a tough situation for Arlington to be in. And after Sunday's defeat, I was feeling pretty defeated myself um there was just a lot of there was a lot of stagnation offensively again there there was a lot of questions uh floating around about you know what the solution is going to be i had a really tough time figuring out what tonight's episode was going to be you know comprised of until the news broke so like unfortunately i feel like the situation we're in is more of the same there's there's struggles with the passing game. The defense is keeping us in it, and we're just having a hard time closing out ball games. We we tied it up at the end of the third, and then gave it away in the fourth. It's just it's a it's a very vicious cycle we find ourselves in right now. I'm not even gonna say that we gave it away because the defense giving up 15 points should win you a ball game. Absolutely, it should win you a ball game. The the, the offense has absolutely been pitiful, and I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna be a little harsh here. They've been pitiful. I would kill for our offense to score more than 14 points in a game. I am very, very sick of sitting down, excited for Renegades football, and watching one touchdown a, a, a game. It's ridiculous. And I know, and I know, you know, it's not going to be, you know, the 40-point, you know, uh, offensive, you know, uh, what's I'm looking for? The offensive party that like Kansas City, the Chiefs would put in, or you know something with the NFL. But at the same time, nine points, like come on, man, yeah, you know, and yeah. and it's it's the same thing every week. Poor quarterback play, rushing. Davion Smith, leading rusher, ten carries, forty two yards. Come on, man, like what what do we have to do? You know. Well, here's the really stupid, ironic thing. I, I don't even know if ironic is the correct word. In pretty much every major offensive category, we did better than the Brahmas. We had more total offensive plays, 57 to 46. We had more total yards of offense, 249 to 162. We averaged four and a half yards per play compared to their three and a half. We were plus five in first downs. We had plus six first downs through the air. Um, like our third down efficiency was 35, almost 36%, which is better than, you know, one third, one out of every three third downs we were converting. That's not bad. It's just, we had some, some critical mistakes. And this is something that we have also Mm -hmm. talked about uh, in, in these discussions when Arlington loses the turnover battle, 
they end up losing the ball game. Every single one of their wins, they've won the turnover battle. Every single one of their losses, they've lost the turnover battle. They committed a costly fumble in the first half that led to a San Antonio touchdown during that play. Like, it was an immediate result in points off turnovers for the Brahmas. And then a late-game interception sealed San Antonio's win. So it's really, really tough to to pin this on uh, on stagnant offense because technically the offense did better than San Antonio. Our defense was stout. But when you give up a defensive touchdown and then turn it over late, it's hard to win ballgames that way. And in the case of this game, I will say you're right. The stats don't lie. And turnovers was the deciding factor in this game. 100%. Now, what I want to know now is, and I, we keep teasing Cylinder 3. Get ready, <laughs> folks. Cylinder 3. We're about to get but there. We, uh, the, whoever, we, the person we picked up for quarterback... This will decide, in my opinion, whether this is an offensive issue from the players or from the coaching staff. Yeah. And again, another tease is this wow, I'm, we're we're terrible, Zach. We're terrible. Hey. But uh, the reason, uh, let's just say, there are some players that aren't happy with the offensive staff. Yeah, so, and 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 I'll I'll get to that. Believe me, I've got my screenshots yeah. from Twitter loaded up and, <laughs> and ready to go. I sent you some of those got pictures. The screenshots. Oh yeah, but but let's talk a, a little bit for for a second here. Number one about Lawan Winningham. That mm-hmm. catch was absolutely electrifying. It was acrobatic, yes. and it was a super athletic move. It was like the spark that we needed. I got really excited at my in-law's house. I think I woke up my mother-in-law from her nap and kind of scared oh, that, her a little ooh. bit when I got loud. So I'm good to see you're alive, Zach. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I dodged a bullet there, almost literally. But his catch <laughs> was almost like the catch of the year so far, as far as like the athleticism, as far as the sports center highlight reel type of catch. But... I would also add that the only reason he had to make such a spectacular grab was because it was thrown to the wrong part of the field. If mm. that if that was thrown more to the sidelines, if it was a little bit more air underneath it, then it's like a like a toe touch type of grab along the sidelines rather than having to redirect your body back to get it over the outstretched arms of the defense. If this was Madden, I would have been throwing an interception on that pass. Just <laughs> just straight up facts. If this was Madden, that would not be a touchdown in any way, shape, or form. We, we got lucky, and thanks to Winningham's athleticism, it helped us get back into the ballgame. I, I will agree with that. Um, and it's hard because you know the XFL. I love I love spring football. I think it's great. I think it's a good chance for players who maybe didn't get a chance to show their stuff in the NFL to get back to that level. But we also have to remember we are not dealing with Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees here. I know. So I know it's 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 tough. But at the same time, if you are playing in a professional football league, you should make the right the right throw and. You know, kudos to Winningham. Like you said, he made a great catch, and 
I guess, again, kind of there's the struggles of the quarterback position mm-hmm. for the Renegades. Uh-huh. We, we saw kind of split time at the quarterback spot, and neither one was really all that impressive because Sloter was only 6 of 13 for 22 yards, and then Plitt was 10 of 16. He had 163 passing yards, but he also had an interception late in the game, and he had that fumble for a touchdown, and he was sacked twice. So even with a 10 of 16, 163-yard performance, there's still nitpicks involved. One interesting fact, though, four total quarterbacks saw the field, and there were five total players that were taking snaps because I believe there were some wildcat plays for the Brahmas offensively in the second half. So technically, we saw like five different players taking snaps in this ball game. Did you see anything encouraging from Jawan Pass or Kurt Bankert on the other side of the ball? I feel like they gave a lot of attention to a guy who went one of six for two yards with an interception, as far as TV time goes. Bankert didn't really impress me all that much. I, I, I was about to say, I was not super impressed with what the... Uh, Brahmas did there and you know at the same time you know I get why they you know threw both of them out there because Jack Cohn wasn't doing the job and well, I think Cohn and Sinnott are both hurt though well I guess that would make sense why Cohn hasn't been playing great but I mean yeah no Sinnott Sinnott is hurt Sinnott is hurt um, that's why, and I, I'm part of that, you know, that Facebook group just to kind of just get a feel for all the XFL fans and, uh, Brahma's fans are, yeah, they, they wanted Senate, but he's, he's hurt. So he's not gonna be able to play. Right. Yeah. We, end of the day, we should have won this game. Those quarterbacks were not that great. Um, they Jacques, were... J- Jack, Jack, Jacques, I don't know how you want to say it. Patrick? I think, it, I think it's Jacques fact, Patrick. Yeah. Jacques. Okay. Yeah. It's, or Jacques, Jacques it, Quez. I, I don't know <laughs> but uh i really i really need to get pronunciation ground. guys before i do this show man <laughs> me too me too but 82 yards on the ground you know not terrible but i guess you know compared to what we had on the ground i mean it's... he was he was their saving grace because the quarterbacks combined according to xfl.com were nine of 20 for 59 yards they were not they were not passing the ball well and they had an interception to boot. Our defense did its job. If you can keep your quarterback to 9 of 20 for 59 yards, you are in this game. You deserve to win this game. And yet we still did not find a way to win. This is not not Ooh, man. I almost threw up thinking it, about it, how bad our offense was. This might be the most frustrating uh, loss, I think, so far this year. Would you agree? Well, yeah, because we literally just went into their house last week and pulled off the a, a big win. It, it was it looked very complete. We won the turnover battle. We outgained them offensively. We outscored them, obviously, 12 to 10. It wasn't an amazing offensive performance, but we we literally just beat these guys. And then we turn right around and we and we lose to them at home. It's incredibly frustrating. We should have we should have swept. We should have, and now we're now it's going to make things interesting as we head down the stretch here. Well, yeah, because San Antonio is at Vegas this week. They get to host Houston. They're home for weeks eight, nine, and ten. They are home against Houston, home against Orlando, 
and then home against DC to close out the season. So, like, they get a a three-game homestand and a very winnable game out at Cashman Field to close out the year. They could finish five and five. They could even finish six and four if they found a way to upset DC at home. This season is not over for San Antonio by a long shot. Not not in the slightest. Yeah, Vegas and Orlando. I would I would honestly chalk those up as wins for them right now off the, off what I've seen so far. Um, Houston, I think, will be a dogfight, and then DC, like you said, just an upset. It'll be uh, interesting to see if they go six and four. And so Arlington, one game ahead of San Antonio, one game behind Houston. It's oh it's crazy, boy. man. It's gonna be fun. It's, it's be crazy because Arlington's got Seattle this week, obviously. Next All week, right. next week they're at Orlando. That's a winnable game, but they only beat Orlando at home by one. So, like, it's not a guarantee, especially mm-hmm. after, especially after Orlando came down to one possession against Seattle uh, just a, a few days ago. Like, Orlando is right there, dude. They are on the cusp of getting their first and probably only win of the year, and it would absolutely suck if that was against us in Week Eight. Week 9, we're at D.C., which is going to be a really tough game at Audi Field. And then Week 10, we could end up playing the same team that we're playing in Week 11. We got Houston at home, and then we could end up playing at Houston if we end up clinching the playoff spot the very next week. You know, I think if the Renegades release their jerseys for people to buy, I think maybe they'd turn the car I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh... But, uh it on one hand it's nice to see how tight it is because as a football fan in general i like seeing tight races like this on the yep. other hand as a renegades fan i am terrified it it could it could spell really great opportunities or it could spell disaster and it all starts uh with this game against seattle on friday evening which i'm going to be there for uh i actually hey there you go I'm actually I'm actually working that game. I didn't get to work the the Brahmas game, and maybe it's me. Maybe the reason they they lost at home was because I wasn't working there. If we pull off the upset, if we beat Seattle, I wouldn't call it an upset. It's a very winnable game. But if we can beat Seattle and and I'm there, then we know what the correlating factor is. So Okay, well, enough about the the Debbie Downer stuff. Let's talk about the stuff that's kind of giving us hope. The stuff drama. that the the drama that's been circulating around the league, we got we got a little bit of what the what some folks call chisme. I love that word chisme. It, it just means gossip in Spanish. We got a little bit of chisme coming around the horn for you. So rev them up again, folks. It's time for cylinder number three. Cylinder number three is here finally, Joe. We've been teasing about it all episode. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's finally time. Hopefully, we actually deliver on it. But I think this is probably some of the biggest news of the entire league, with the news that came out that Kyle Sloter was released by the Arlington Renegades, a guy who was thought to be the guy a guy that we did a player profile on during one of our very first episodes, a guy who showed up and showed out at the USFL with New Orleans. He's not even with the XFL anymore, and I have my thoughts that he could end up back at the USFL because their training camp is underway and it starts in a couple of weeks. I think 
whatever vibe he got from Arlington was not a good one in his eyes. And I think it's tainted him from being picked up or playing for anybody else in the league. I thought with the needs in Orlando that he might try to sign with them, but I'm starting to believe that he's done with the XFL and he's about to head back to the USFL after all of this. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I would not be surprised to see him in the USFL here uh, when their season gets underway. Uh, the, the drama surrounding this release, Zach. Uh, oh, well, first of all, we all know Kyle Slaughter did not like the offensive coordinator um, or the offensive scheme that the Renegades was running. And, <laughs> no, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, I don't like it either, but I. No one cares what I think. So, he also has only liked one tweet since the news was broken. And, Zach, I think you have the screenshot. Do you not? I do. It's from username at SaneneFF. And it, it feels like a burner account. Because when the XFL PR group uh, posted a tweet saying that he had been released, they um, went onto Twitter and said, confirmed, Sloter absolutely hated it there. He was bleeping on the OC every chance he got during the in-game interviews, and rightfully so. There were 18 likes on that tweet, the most likes of any reply, and one of the very first likes, I think it was like the second or third like of that tweet, was from Sloter himself. So, what's what's really (laughs) weird is like, he went on the record when he was being interviewed during some of the, the stalling possessions during the game. They, they do those in-game interviews, and you get the raw emotions and stuff. And the thing that he said during the interview was, we need to quit running the ball. We need to throw the ball more. He was essentially questioning the OC. He was essentially questioning Stoops during the game on ABC. This was a nationally broadcast game on ABC. Not not even ESPN, not even FX. ABC, this guy is going out there saying, hey, our coaches are making the wrong calls. We need to let me do my thing. And, you know, instead of handing the ball off, I need to throw it. Because his his passing numbers were not great. He was 6 of 13 for 22 yards and got sacked once. He hardly had an opportunity to do anything. He had, what was it, 13 passing opportunities? Like, yeah, that's enough for maybe the first quarter, maybe the first half. But when you're splitting time like that, how can you actively criticize what he was able to do? He hardly had a chance to do it. So it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy to me, but I have no doubt. I have no doubt that you go, you know, a day, a day and a half, and then you get the news broken that after he goes on the record saying that Sunday, he's no longer with the team. I guarantee it's his public criticism of Jonathan Hayes and Bob Stoops that got him released from the team. I, I have no doubt in my mind no, whatsoever. No, that, that's that, that's one hundred percent what got him released from the team. And does he have a point? I don't know. We've seen how bad the running game has been this year. But as if you know football, you know you have to establish the running game. And so it, it's a tough situation. You just can't say that kind of stuff. You know, it's 
that's the stuff you reserve for your girlfriend, wife, whatever, friends, family. And you let off that steam there. Don't let off the steam on ABC. <laughs> like, jeez, man. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, the, that's the interesting thing about this league, though, that you're not going to get with the NFL is the access. But with the access comes responsibility. And with that responsibility comes accountability for your actions. Right. And, and I think as much as I enjoyed seeing him play for the Breakers last year, and as much as I wanted to see him succeed with the Renegades, and as much as I may agree with some of the comments that he made, you're right. There's there's a, there's certain things that you say in public, and there's certain things that you say in private. And there was probably a lack of professionalism in that interview. There was a lot of, of in-game frustration that probably should have been said... Um, privately rather than publicly but it's really tough to do when you're getting interviewed like that all the time and when you and your head coach are both mic'd up for the whole game like you 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 have to be more careful with the things that you say and how you carry yourself and it led to Sloter getting released but what's really interesting is no sooner did they make the announcement that he had been released than a few hours later that same XFL PR page made an announcement that the Renegades had announced a trade. And not just any kind of a trade. This is a monumental trade that I feel like is a thousand percent, a thousand percent in Arlington's favor because the player that we traded away in the form of Ryan Mueller, he was hardly seeing any playing time with us at all. Granted, Mm -hmm. he had a big touchdown against us when he was with the New York Guardians back in 2020, but Mueller has not been seeing a whole lot of time on the field and we traded him to Vegas for a guy who has been their starting quarterback in the form of Luis Perez. Mm -hmm. Like what the hell, man? We're sending a backup linebacker for a starting quarterback. This league's trade center is absolutely wild. This league, man, what, what league would you ever Trade a backup linebacker for a starting quarterback. Come on, that's like that's like saying, "All right, all right, okay." Well, uh, 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 I'm trying to think of a backup. I didn't even think of a backup linebacker in the NFL, but like uh, we're trading our backup linebacker for Lamar Jackson. Okay, like, hey, at this point, that may be what Lamar ends up going for, but this isn't an NFL podcast. That was, that was tough. That that you know what? Now that I think about it, terrible, terrible example because that could happen. But yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Oh, it's okay. It's like trading your backup linebacker for Peyton Manning when he was playing. Or wasn't there a trade involved with the number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, for like a fourth rounder? Isn't that what Carolina yeah, sent to the Browns right. for him? Like you're that's right. that's basically the equivalent of what we're getting right here. Like we are sending an afterthought, a fourth round pick, to a struggling team, and we're getting a starter in exchange. Now he's not going to be starting this week. There was a there was a, a media Zoom call that happened on uh, the 29th that our friend Anthony Miller was there for, and he posted on Twitter confirmation that Coach Stoops says that Perez is not going to be active for this game against the Dragons. He needs time to learn the system, to learn the team, and you know all that good stuff. And Plitt is going to be quarterback one, and Kevin Anderson is going to be QB two for this week's Friday matchup against the Sea Dragons. However, 
I have my thoughts that they just don't want a repeat of the Bankert situation. Because he was picked up on like Thursday and only had a couple of days to learn the system. So I feel really bad for, for crapping on him earlier because I didn't add that addendum. For somebody who had been with the team for all of two days, to, to get out there and put yourself out there and, and try to orchestrate drives that help your team win, that's a very, very tough spot to be in. So I got to give him a little bit of respect for that. But I think I respect Stoops' decision a little bit more to say, hey, Luis, take the week off. Start learning the playbook, get yourself healthy, get yourself geared up, and get ready for what could be a very important three-game stretch. My God, dude, if he has even some semblance of the playbook down by the time we go to Aldi Field and he's oh, yeah. able and he's able to sling it against DC, like these last three games could be game changers if he starts tossing the ball around the way that we know he's a, he's capable of doing. I tell you what, if we score 15 points, I'm going to go nuts on Twitter. I'm going to go nuts <laughs> in my apartment. I'm just going to be like, oh my god, we scored more than 14 points. What? We've so, never done that before. And that's just, but that's just, you know, like you said, just the, the age-old tried and true method of, you know, a college quarterback redshirting his first year, learning the playbook, and then yep. he comes out and dominates his next year. You don't have a whole year here, Luis, but uh, a week, you, you're a professional quarterback, you should be able to, you know, get the playbook down to the point where, you, like you said, you can, you can go out and sling it, and, uh, you know, this might be me drinking the Kool-Aid, but I, I think if, if Luis Perez can learn the playbook and, and get to 100% get to a a level where he can compete at a high level I think upset I'm thinking upset next week for DC I know we're skipping the whole game but I mean I'm just kind of I'm excited well, I'm okay, excited so we, so, so we DC DC is week 9 I think um the game at Orlando is week 8 so we've two got weeks. I so, apologize. so in 2 weeks yeah in two weeks, we could end up potentially seeing an upset. That's that's a good uh, that's a good little icebreaker right there, Orlando. What? Yeah, so. we could. It could be. Um, so here's here's some other really cool stuff about Luis Perez. Um, he went to Texas A and M Commerce, so he he's he's Lions. he's got he's got experience here in the Lone Star State. Played there in 2016 and 17. Um, he's seen time at the NFL level, been playing for and seeing time with the Rams and the Eagles and the Lions, but most people would know him with the Birmingham Iron of the Alliance, threw for 1,460 yards with them, played for the New York Guardians, and had a lot of success with them as well before operations were suspended. He went to the championship with the Jousters of the Spring League in 2021. And then he played with the New Jersey Generals in the USFL last year. So he's got a lot of semi-pro experience. And he's got a lot of semi-pro consistency as well. His his career passing percentage in the Alliance, two iterations of the XFL and the USFL, is 60.7%. He's got a 60.7% completion percentage, 
and he's thrown for 901 yards with Vegas this year. This guy, he could be the answer. And, and, I, and I don't really like saying that because, and, and I know that it, it sounds counterproductive to say that, I don't want a late season trade to be the guy for Arlington. I will happily take it, but I would have much preferred Sloter or Plitt being the guy from day one, from game one, and unfortunately that's not the cards we've been dealt. But now we've got more or less an ace in the hole with Perez, and I'm really, really hopeful to see how that plays out. I told you, Zach, I said, uh, this is the deciding factor right here. If Perez does not do as well here in uh, in Arlington, something's up with the Hayes. Something is up with him, and it, it may. And then maybe Slaughter was right. So I, I really hope Luis succeeds. I think you're right, though. I wish Slaughter or Plitt was the guy, but it is very clear at this point in the season they're not. So. We just gotta keep moving on. Luis Perez is here now with us, and Plitt will be starting this week, so that'll do it. Well, you know what? I, I want to believe that we can lean on the defense for one more week. Right. I, I saw some decent flashes from Drew Plitt during last week's game. 160 something passing yards, a touchdown pass. He was orchestrating drives. Unfortunately, the game tying drive that we needed in the fourth quarter he made the wrong read and got intercepted Mm. but he was orchestrating a drive they were making completions they were getting it downfield he was trying to get them in position for a deep shot and ended up making the wrong read and throwing a pick which has been unfortunately his mo lately but Mm -hmm. if he can find a way to stop making hit his mo and if he can orchestrate a couple of consistent drives and get even get Russellino in field goal range, I would like to think that our defense could take care of the rest. I, I agree. I agree 100%. So now he's got someone on his heels. Maybe he'll push him to the next level. Who knows? Well, let's go ahead and take a look at this game against Seattle and what we stack up against. It is time for the last segment of the night. Hopefully that third segment delivered the hype for you guys because we were definitely hyped about the news. Um, I I was very, very excited to talk about that stuff tonight, and we will continue to talk about it as the season progresses because this is a big-time trade, a big-time situation that could alter our playoff circumstances. But... We only have so much time to talk about it in one podcast. Yeah. And so. if, it did, if, it, if it didn't deliver for you, email Zach, DM Zach. It's all his fault. So. Uh, sure, yeah, this is all. Yeah, <laughs> It's always my fault. <laughs> I, I don't get nasty emails from my TV station. Oh, you went there. You went there. Okay, let's go. Let's just go. Let's just go on the uh, fourth cylinder, Zach. I, I walked right into that one. I walked right into it. <laughs> oh, if you're not following Joe on social media, you should be. He has a lot of fun up there in Nebraska. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Rev him up one last time. It is time for cylinder number four. So this week we play... The 4-2 Seattle Sea Dragons, who beat Orlando 26-19, a one-possession game. They're now uh, 2-1 at home and 2-1 on the road. 
Joe, looking back at that game against Orlando, what kind of weaknesses did you see from Seattle and what can we do to send them to two and two on the road on Friday night? Well, I'd tell you who isn't a weakness, Ben Zanucci. And I swear to God, if you if you if you knew me two years ago or a year ago, whenever he was playing with the Cowboys, and I said the words Ben Zanucci's not a weakness, you'd be like, Joe, what are you what are you on, bro? Like, tell me. But he has been killing it for the Seattle Sea Dragons this year. Um, and he, he was not only, you know, obviously the leading passer, he was the leading rusher too. So, Ugh, man, this guy, this guy can do it all. And that kind of terrifies me. And I, again, I hope if I said Danucci terrifies me two years ago, you'd be like, what? But, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I'd say if there's any weakness, it's that their defense isn't as good as the Renegades. I, I if we can get out there with a good offensive scheme, offensive play, uh, play calling, offensive plan, we can easily win this game. What do you What do you mean when you feel like their offense isn't as good? Because I mean their their defense. defense. Okay, I'm sorry, I misheard. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so they gave up 19 to Orlando. I'm mm-hmm. looking back at their schedule. They okay. They only they only gave up fourteen to Houston in week five. Um, they only gave up six against San, San Antonio week four. They beat Vegas thirty to twenty six week three. So twenty six seems to be like the highest they've given up. Twenty nine, I guess, would be last week's. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, Zach. The reason I say that, inconsistency because you're okay. right, giving up twenty six to Vegas, but then yeah, six against San Antonio. That's great. 12 against Houston, great. And then, honestly, I think not. I mean, I, the, I, well, how many of the Renegades go up to Orlando again? Uh, nine. Nine. We beat them. We beat them ten to nine. Ten to nine. That's right. That's right. And so, giving up 19 to Orlando, it's the inconsistency from this defense that I think is something that the Renegades are going to have to uh, pounce on. Well, one thing that I feel like I've noticed, and and this may be why they signed the the player that they did, it was their front seven that they were having some issues with. They weren't controlling the line of scrimmage, and they weren't controlling those first five or six yards. Arlington has a tendency to run it on first down, Mm -hmm. and they have a tendency to do some of these wide receiver bubble screens, and they have a tendency to do some crossing patterns across the middle. I feel like the way that Arlington's offense plays could be a system that is ripe for picking apart Seattle in that middle of the front seven. What do you think? I would agree. I I would agree. Um, Then again, as we've mentioned before on this podcast, as you mentioned before earlier in this episode, it comes down to quarterback play. comes down to the running backs. Um, And I I guess at the end of the day, it comes down to the offensive line because that's where it all starts. Yeah. I feel like this game could be one of those ones that gets decided in the trenches Mm -hmm. because if if our D-line is able to overpower their O-line, then we rattle Danucci and he could have... A, a lesser performance. If our O-line is able to break things open for players like Letty Brown or Davion Smith, which, by the way, call me crazy, 
I feel like Letty Brown was seeing the holes a little bit better than Davion Smith sometimes. I know he finished with fewer yards. I think he had 38 and Smith had 42. But I was rather impressed with Letty Brown's performance and his effort. And I would like to see him get some more carries in this ballgame too. I actually agree with you there. I agree with you. I do think he was seeing the holes a little bit better than Smith. And which is, it's weird because Smith was the leading rusher or one of the leading rushers in the XFL in 2020. And so I don't know what's going on this year with him, but I, I, Letty Brown, you know, to, you know, March Man is still going on. You know, he's hot. He's the hot team. He's the hot player right now. Right. So you got to feed him. I think, I think if, if Brown can go for 50 rushing yards, and if Plitt can limit himself to one interception, and if we can win the turnover battle, we got to force some fumbles. We got to pick off Danucci, which I think is very doable. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not like the most insane, accurate passer. He he slings the ball around. He leads the league in passing yards with fifteen hundred and five per XFL.com, but his interception to touchdown ratio is not great. Eleven TDs to eight INTs. He, he's got a very high interception ratio. In fact, out of the top 10 passing quarterbacks on XFL.com, he is leading in the interceptions category by a wide margin. So he is one of those guys that could be picked off multiple times, and we've got a pretty stout secondary with players like Payne and Will Hill. I think there's, there's a few factors, a few contingencies involved, but I think if we're able to execute defensively get a couple of picks and if we're able to get letty brown going then yeah we've got a good chance of winning this week i agree and i think we can contain danucci if we like you said win in the trenches and force him off his game so i'm i'm excited i think i think this is a a winnable game for the renegades and that's just not that's not me being a homer that's me looking at the stats, looking at the play from both teams. And if, if the Renegades have to come out and play their game, if they play like they did against uh, the uh, Brahmas last week, it ain't going to be pretty. But yeah. we have to see. And that's the really tough thing is this team is 3-3 three and three after six weeks. All of the discussions that we've had, all of the examinations that we've done, and this is a 500 squad. It's frustrating as heck because we're coming into the final four weeks of the season and we know about as much now about this team as we did week one. Right. That, that's the really tough thing about it. But like you, I do believe this is a winnable game. And I also don't believe that I'm being a homer. Pretty much anybody else would tell you this is Seattle's game. This is Seattle's game. But I think it's as much Seattle's game to win as it is Seattle's game to lose, if that makes any sense. That's fair. No, that's that, that's 100% fair. And I think you're in- entirely correct there in that uh, sentiment. So it, it all comes down to if Arlington can execute the way we believe they are capable of executing. They are 3-0 and when they win the turnover battle and yep. 0-3 when they lose the turnover battle. Protect the ball. Take the ball away. It's fundamental football, but if they can do that, I think the Renegades win. So what's your score prediction, Zach? I've actually got this one loaded up for bear. I'm ready to go with this one. I think we actually do hit that 15 mark. I think we get right at 15. So I'm, I am I, I don't see us having great 
offensive firepower, but I see us having some lockdown defense. I see this being a 15-11 to 11 final score. Myself being the pessimistic man that I am and <laughs> not believing in Drew Plitt, I'm going to, which sucks, because he seems like a cool guy. You know, I hope he does well. I'm going to go 13-9. Arlington. Yeah, 13-9 Arlington. We've always picked Arlington to win, but I feel like this time we need to make a, a special addendum that we are picking Arlington to win, and this is the final score for it, because when the Houston game comes around, we may have to be a little more realistic and be like, yeah. if they do this, if they do this, if they do this, they win. But our prediction is Houston wins, or even the DC game. So yeah. the deeper I mean, well, the, the deeper into the season we get, the more realistic our picks may have to get. But yeah. uh, I, mean, I, I feel the like, Renegades are paying me to pick them, so I don't know. Are they paying you? I mean, <laughs> they're paying me to work there, but they're <laughs> but they're paying me hourly, and there's a stipulation in my contract that I can be terminated at any reason for no cause. So. Yeah, I'm gonna oh, I love that. Love uh, that for you, I, Zach. I know it's such. Yeah, it's really cool though. Uh, it's a foot in the door, and it's the XFL, and I work right. with some really cool people. Like I'm not knocking it at all. Oh I, right, I, of course. I, I I really enjoy the opportunity to be there, and I'm hoping that it leads to bigger and better down the road. But I'm also gonna be a little realistic and say this offense is not gonna be putting up more than 15 points. I say we can get two 15 points, but if we get anything more than that, it's a freaking miracle. Right. So. 15 to 11 is my pick. 13 to 9 is Joe's pick. We'll see who is more accurate in what is turning out to be the only edition of Friday Night Lights the XFL is going to have this year. It's That's the cool. only like it. it's the only Friday game. There's been a couple of Thursday, lots of Saturday, Sunday. They moved the DC Houston game to Monday Night Football. This is the only edition of Friday Night Lights that we're going to get this year. And it's fitting that it happens at Choctaw Stadium where they actually have Friday Night Lights. I have called football games from Choctaw Stadium for the Arlington High Colts who call that stadium their home. So it's pretty cool. That's that a this, humble brag. <laughs> hey, until this league has been going on for several years, I am still going to self-proclaim that I hold the record oh. for most American football games called at Choctaw Stadium. And I have the the football games on record on Facebook Live to to back that up, so it's not refutable. <laughs> and, but, and you do a great job as well, Zach. Not trying thank you, to toot your own horn there, but you do do a good, very good job with that. So, thank you, bud. Um, and yeah, it, that's just so cool to call. Growing up in Arlington, I grew up, Zach. I know you didn't grow up in Arlington, but growing up in Arlington, just to see the football. Uh, stadium now and knowing that it, it was a baseball stadium that I loved growing up right um, it's very cool to see you call games at that stadium it's 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 really fun I do enjoy it I, I really like getting to build the portfolio and getting to call really big touchdown plays I got to call a really big home run for the Colts baseball team the other night which was really hey. fun so I, I really enjoy what I do but I'd really like to do it on a more full-time basis and so if working on game days with the Renegades gets me a foot in the door, then I'm all the more happy to do it. But in the meantime, y'all can follow me at Zach the Voice on all social media platforms to keep up with all of those baseball and football related things that I'm doing. It's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm on TikTok sometimes, uh, Snapchat, Venmo. Everything has the same username. So go, <laughs> go, go follow me at Zach the Voice. Venmo, huh? That was, that was. Hey, hey! I mean, I just kind of throw that in there. I try to do like some little under the table kind of what is it? What is it? Um, 
planting the seed in somebody's mind and it's like oh he's on venmo okay and then you have to call me out on that and make it like super obvious like i was trying to be smooth about it and you're like no, oh, no so, you... sorry sorry i'm sorry and you know i will join you in that uh the only way you can reach me is through venmo you gotta send me some money to talk to me so uh joe underscore scanlon no no was it joe scanlon t no joe scanlon four just all one no no underscores no nothing and uh yeah so if you want to talk to me send me some money <laughs> but uh no you can follow me on twitter at uh joe scanlon tv no underscores there um always happy to talk to fans and as long as you don't you know call me a pos like the one guy who emailed me so yeah that was uh, fun. <laughs> always, always fun. Hey, you know you've made it big when you've got haters. So that's that's what everyone's been telling me. <laughs> well, I I know I'm just preaching to the choir, but you you do good work up there, man. And and Thank I you. know I know that the community appreciates it because uh, they they recognize you when you go out to eat. So that's that's the mark of being <laughs> a local celebrity. <laughs> Uh, you're too kind, Zach. <laughs> well, we have fun on this show, and we hope that you all had fun tuning into it as well. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode of Renegades Roundup. Be sure to go follow us at Renegades underscore pod on Twitter and find Renegades Roundup on Facebook. Hope that you'll tune in to next week's episode. We will be back again to talk about how our predictions went, how the game went, and looking ahead to next week's ball game. But until then, that's going to do it for this episode of Renegades Roundup. For Joe, I'm Zach, thanking you for tuning in and reminding you to go out there and raise some hell.